You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Auburn is not a place. It is a people. The loveliest village on the plains is more than just a collegiate sports venue, more than a university filled with historic buildings, and more than a quaint little southern town. Its worth lies within its people, those that call Auburn home, whether that be for a single day at a time or a lifetime. Much like our legendary Toomer's oak trees, our stories are the product of a firm foundation laid at the beginning of our Auburn story. These are the stories of the Auburn family. These are their roots. Welcome back to Auburn Roots, where we continue our exploration and sharing of the stories of your Auburn family members. This is episode eight, and we'll be speaking to Paige Wetzel. Paige and her husband Josh live in Auburn, Alabama, and have served the university in different capacities, either previously or currently. As a military family, they have a very unique and touching story that demonstrates how the Auburn family can come together for those in times of need. Paige will share with us her story of starting life as an Alabama fan, finding a way to being drawn into the Auburn family through volleyball and this event that she and Josh went through in their life. And eventually she learned the lesson that Auburn is not just about sports, but at its true heart, it's about its people. Paige, welcome to Auburn Roots. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I really appreciate you being willing to uh, talk to a stranger who randomly messaged you out of nowhere and uh, <laughs> not running away scared for me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so what I want to get into, uh, obviously, at the start of this thing is where do your Auburn roots begin? Where does Auburn begin its intersection with your life? Where does that start? Well, I would just like to start out with saying that my Auburn experience began with the actual implementation of the Auburn family. Um, the Auburn family is something that is uh, very real to me because I experienced it and I really just want people to um, believe that it's not only, you know, something we put on t-shirts and things like that. It, it's a true experience. It's a, it's the act of um, finding people and pulling them in. And that is truly um, where my Auburn story began because um, I was not raised an Auburn fan. I, my grandfather actually played football at Alabama. Oh no. <laughs> so I grew up as one of those. Um, and uh, when I began dating Josh, um, he was a huge Auburn fan. And, um, and so that was just kind of like one of those differences that we had um, but when Josh was injured in the military, um, it was very interesting to see the outpouring of support that we got from all different kinds of people. But um, Auburn University was one of those, not only were they very persistent in reaching out to us and checking on us, but like I was saying, it was that act of like uh, 
reaching out and pulling in. Um, and we really felt like we were part of something that we had never officially been a part of. Um, neither one of us before my husband's injury had ever attended Auburn. Um, I had been to, I think, one sporting event at Auburn before that. And um, the university and especially uh, Kate Larkin that works with the Auburn Alumni Association, um, they just really tried to provide for us in ways that were um, fun, you know, inviting us to things and things like that, but also truly trying to meet our needs as um, former military, as uh, potential um, members of, you know, just the city of Auburn and being welcomed into the community as residents. And um, they were just, uh, it was such a unique experience. And so when I felt that welcomed and that, that much a part of something that I had never tried to be a part of, like they, it, it was almost a, like they came and found us uh, type situation. I, I mean, I just couldn't help but be completely loyal to the university and the people because it truly felt like the Auburn family to me. Yeah, you know, we throw that phrase around a lot. And for people on the outside looking in, it seems a little quirky, a little cliche. Uh, but when people actually experience it, even if they don't get fully integrated into the Auburn family culture, they start to grasp, oh, this is actually a real concept. This is, this is what... Uh, they actually live out what they preach for the most part. Obviously, we, everybody's got, you know, those crazy uncles in the family that maybe don't represent us all that well. But <laughs> by and large, we, you know, we, we are a family unit. We come together in the best of times. We come together in the worst of times. And just like family, sometimes we disagree, you know. It, it can be over a football game. and we, You should have run this play. You should have run that play. But by and large, especially when times are tough, Auburn family members come together in an overwhelming fashion. And I think that's what's great. That's great about uh, your story and Josh's story um, that exemplifies that. Now, one thing I want to go back to here, we cannot just let you uh, push aside the fact that you've got some Alabama roots here. We, we need to kind of come to grips with that a little bit. Now, my wife also has Alabama roots as well. She is now a fully integrated member of the Auburn family. So I'm glad to hear that's similar to you. Uh, but Tell me about that growing up. Was, did you care that much about the Auburn-Alabama rivalry or, was, or is it just one of those things you just kind of lived with? Oh, no. We, we were those people. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like we, it was before I started playing sports um, in middle school where I had my own volleyball tournaments and softball tournaments, things like that every Saturday. It was literally like, the big screen TV had the Alabama game on, but it was muted so we could listen to Eli Gold call the game mm. on the radio. So, yeah, that is that is what we did. And then um, when I met Josh, that was kind of in those um, dark days for Alabama fans where Tommy Tuberville was here. And so it, it those were tough days to be an Alabama fan. Um, but it, it is interesting how, and of course, Josh and I are absolutely engulfed in the athletic side of, of the university now, but it is interesting how, um, you know, just the, uh, the run that Auburn had when, when we were 
living in a hospital, living far away from anything going on in the state of Alabama. Um, you know, that was when we made the national championship run. And um, it was, it was amazing to just feel so connected to something through athletics when I was like furthest away from it, you know? So again, that just kind of goes back to that family aspect of it. But yeah, growing up it, I mean, we, we were all about the roll tides and um, I have repented from that. And, (laughs) (laughs) and I find myself, um, I find myself looking back on those years and, um, just remembering a, if there's one thing that I truly appreciate from those years is learning how to love football and truly learning like the game. And so, um, so I enjoy that because now when I get to be at a football game, I, you know, I like knowing what's going on anyway, but I've always been one of those people that I want to learn about lots of sports, not just the sports that I'm directly involved in. So that is one thing I certainly picked up from those years growing up as an Alabama fan. Yeah, you know, as much as we want to uh, give the Alabama nation as much, um, for lack of a better word, uh, crap (laughs) as we can, uh, you know, it wouldn't be the same without the yin to the yang, so to speak. Oh, for sure. Uh, So as as much as we love to, you know, jab and they love to jab back, uh, they are integral to our story as an Auburn family and usually at the expense of them. (laughs) So, uh, but, uh, you know, look, it doesn't matter how your roots begin, even if they weren't Auburn roots, it just matters that yours were set and have now taken hold and are moving forward and growing and kind of expanding upon that. Um, So you have a little bit of history with the sport of volleyball. Tell me a little bit about that growing up. Like why was that such a big sport for you? Uh, Well, my mom played and she kind of taught me how to play. And um, I, I tried out for volleyball when I was in seventh grade. Um, and it was just like, it was the most fun I had ever had. And I really didn't know enough about the rules and things to, um, to really appreciate the game. And, uh, but I, I just had so much fun, like learning and that kind of thing. And so my whole, uh, once I made that initial team, I mean, every fall, every spring, and every summer I was, I was playing, I was either going to camps or playing on the travel team. And then um, it's interesting because I actually played volleyball in college at Jacksonville state. And uh, my coach, Rick Nold was, um, he was my coach at JSU. And then um, after college, Josh and I got married, Josh joined the army and um, we moved all over the country. We were, uh, at Fort Benning for a little while. Then we went to Fort Bragg, um, in North Carolina. And then Josh deployed with a group out of Fort Lewis, Washington. And, um, and so just kind of, I I had coached club volleyball, just junior volleyball during those times. Um, but we didn't stay anywhere long enough for me to really like get my feet set anywhere. And then when Josh got injured, um, we ended up at Walter Reed hospital and we were obviously we didn't know this at the time, but we were there for two years. And so I ended up coaching a club volleyball team there in Washington, DC. And then, um, 
because of the Auburn family pursuing us so hard during those years at Walter Reed, um, it's actually the reason we even ended up in Auburn because um, we, Josh was, the plan was for Josh to be in the army for 20 years, like retire out of the military because of time served. And uh, Josh was injured in year, um, year three of his army career. Wow. And so we, obviously that completely changed our plan. And while we were at Walter Reed, um, we just, things were going by so fast and things were so chaotic because we were just honestly trying to keep Josh alive. Um, And so when the time came to kind of think about, okay, what are we going to do after this? Because obviously the army is out of the picture now. uh, We didn't know. I mean, we just... We had no idea what we were going to do. And um, and so at this time, Auburn is reaching out to us for Military Appreciation Day. And could Josh come throw out the first pitch at the baseball game? And little things like that. And so we're thinking at this point, Josh can't even get out of bed. And so we're thinking, yeah, sure. I mean, if Josh gets better and fills up to it, we would love to come to things like that. Well, he eventually got better and um, we we did a trip where he threw out the first pitch and then we came back for a football game and um, finally we had we had been back enough times and we had met enough people where someone was going to um, someone from just it, it was kind of this team of people but um, we had some folks from like the registrar's office some from um, student veterans association and some people that, um, worked for like the VA and things like that kind of just set us down and made us understand, like you realize if Josh wanted to go to school here, he could, and he wouldn't have to pay for anything. And I'm sitting here thinking, um, first of all, Josh already tried school. (laughs) (laughs) That is why he's in the army. (laughs) And so, um, so not not so good at school, um, but I was just thinking that the only thing that had ever been presented to us was, you know, the GI Bill, and I just thought, you know, there's no way that something like that would be able to, you know, pay for all of Josh's education, and then what, I didn't know anything about, you know, what if he's too old to receive this, or what if it takes years and years to pay it back, and so I was like, greatly objected to it so um and then when they told us that like there there's actually a million ways he could go to school and not have to pay for it um it was funny because Josh and I just kind of looked at each other like uh 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 and so I just ended up saying um could you just give us a minute <laughs> you know and Josh I was like okay what did you just gather from that conversation and Josh kind of had this like attitude, but he was like, uh, it sounds like I'm going to school at Auburn when we get out of Walter Reed, like, duh, you know? And, um, so I just couldn't wrap my head around that. And I was so, on one hand, I was so thankful to have a place to go because we had no idea what we were going to do once we got out of the hospital. But then I just didn't realize that, um, I just couldn't visualize my life beyond, Josh being this extremely wounded veteran, a hundred percent disabled, and we're probably just going to live off of whatever 
um, retirement and whatever like government funding we can get because what else can we do at this point? And it was amazing to see the doors that were unlocked um, from Auburn. And part of that was my journey into volleyball because my coach from Jacksonville State, Rick Nold, had just newly been hired as the volleyball coach at Auburn. So when we finally moved to Auburn, I was helping out with camps and then um, actually Point University down in West Point, Georgia. It's, you know, 45 minutes from Auburn. They needed a head coach like immediately. So I coached there under like the uh, recommendation of Rick Nold. I coached there for a year and then um, I coached at Auburn Montgomery for a year and helped them start their first program. And uh, at the end of the spring of my first year at AUM, uh, Rick actually needed a director of ops. So he hired me as his director of ops. So within, you know, two years of coming to Auburn, Josh and I were both working in athletics at the same university and like sitting next to each other at staff meetings. <laughs> wow. That's an, that's an incredible, just kind of, uh, you know, convolute is not a good word for it, but it, it just, it's such a complex story here that begins with a love and an interest in the game. Uh, you, you grow up playing the game, you, you get married, you guys go through this traumatic experience together. Uh, you're trying to figure out life after this point. And then somehow, some way volleyball and even specifically Auburn volleyball kind of starts putting the, the life back in place for you. Uh, and I find that very interesting because, you know, not only did you eventually find your way back to Auburn volleyball in some capacity, but you went to, you know, you played at JSU. You were a head coach at, at Point University. Uh, AUM, by the way, I spent two years at Auburn Montgomery. Back then, I think it was Auburn University at Montgomery, which was a terrible yeah. name. Terrible, <laughs> terrible name. And we were the Senators, too. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> That mascot I never got. I never. Why would? Never mind. I, that, that's going to go down a road we don't need to go down. But like that's. I don't get fired up when I hear senators. You know, <laughs> uh, like Warhawks now is what they're called. And right. I, you know, I think Auburn Montgomery is, in my opinion, tried to kind of distance themselves a little bit and trying to not not that they're ashamed of being associated with Auburn, but that they want to kind of be their own thing. But when they take on something war hawks war eagle come on you gotta think there's a little bit of influence there right (laughs) right right Uh, but yeah so you spent a little time at JSU now one thing I want to ask you is you know in Alabama it's it's either Alabama or Auburn most of the time and if somebody says I'm a JSU fan I'm a UAB fan everybody looks at you like you're weird so (laughs) what is the dynamic on JSU's campus during your time is it is it pretty even down the down the way or is it more Auburn or more Alabama what's that like well I kind of this is this was my experience because when I played at JSU um, I was the only person from Alabama on my team so the people that I that were in my direct circle didn't really understand the rivalry Um, I feel like everybody picked a side for the Iron Bowl because that was like the event of the year (laughs) for everyone every year but what's funny is that you'd have people like you you'd see it more in like football and baseball where you get more um local players and they usually had some kind of preference to Alabama or Auburn but what was so funny is that like sometimes 
you'd see people that had those preferences. Like if, if there was a football game or a basketball game or something, they would really be like keeping tabs on those games and kind of, you know, taking an Alabama victory or an Auburn victory as a personal thing. Uh But the minute we got it, like Jacksonville state got an sec opponent on the schedule it was like, take them down, you know, and <laughs> like my senior year, uh, I think we played four SEC schools and beat all of them, you know, so that was like just a huge, a huge deal and a huge accomplishment. But um, it was, it was funny how um, whenever they came to town or we went to their place, it was like, mid-major all the way you know we were there to like take down the power five schools and um and because of that we always had a huge fan presence you know because if if we were going to places like Alabama or Auburn or even places like Florida State or Georgia um or Vanderbilt or anything like that for any sport I mean you would see I think it always surprised them how many like JSU fans were actually at their games because uh, it, it was exciting to to have the potential to beat a power five school, especially um, in their own stadium or in their own gym. So, um, so we always had like a huge fan base wherever we went. And when um, my senior year, Florida state hosted the first round of the NCAA tournament, and um, I mean, we filled up a third of the gym and, you know, in a gym that was hosting four teams, you know, so it was a really cool experience. And I feel like people always, um, you, you know, it's, there's an awareness in athletics of if you have this kind of budget or this kind of uh, presence on the grand scale of division one athletics, these are the things that you assumedly would be able to do and that's that is get better recruits when more games go further in the postseason and all those things so to have the opportunity to potentially I mean this sounds bad but like potentially ruin that (laughs) for someone (laughs) is like just what you live for you know yeah yeah I I can understand that and you know I will never again um, think little of teams like JSU and UAB and um, even, you know, most teams in the state that have an opportunity to compete against an Auburn, Alabama. I mean, Auburn football nearly got the biggest scare of their life given to them a couple of years back by JSU. So we know how <laughs> uh, proud of a tradition they have. We know um, how competitive they can be in, in, in many sports. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're not careful, the quote unquote mid-major will right. take you down and will um, not in terms of how you see it as a mid-major, but as as the the major program sees it an embarrassment, uh, you know. So that's that's always an interesting dynamic because I love underdog stories, uh, right? And I, I think that any opportunity I can to root for someone who is perceived as the underdog, I always take it. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So JSU time, you played there. Uh, you, you, we talked a little about your head coach at Point University. Uh, went to AUM. And uh, we talked a little bit of that dynamic as well. Uh, before we get into maybe a little bit more about you and Josh's story uh, and kind of what you've been going through in life, uh, and uh, you've also got a book that you've written, I want us to touch on that in a second too. But tell me a little bit about Auburn volleyball, uh, going back with your former head coach, Rick Nold, uh, to come participate in camps, to participate in 
being the director of ops there. Tell me, like, w- what's that culture like at Auburn? Because I think it's an area where a lot of Auburn family members need to take more interest in because volleyball is a fun game. I love Absolutely. playing it and I love watching it because it is high energy. So give me some perspectives on that for the Auburn family members. Well, for sure. I, I definitely want to say um, just great things about the uh, – brand new staff that is at Auburn volleyball right now. Um, it's the Brent Crouch era of mm-hmm. volleyball now. And I had a, a short opportunity to work for him. Um, and I think Auburn volleyball has always been exciting, but it's really going in a great direction and I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Um, but I think with, it was so interesting to see the, um, the things I expect that I learned from being a director of ops were so unexpected. And in a lot of ways, I think that might have set me backwards a little bit. Um, I had a, I had, you know, short stints where I was really like, man, I just didn't, I didn't anticipate this occupation being this way, but it was one of the most rewarding things I've ever walked through. So you know, when talking about just like the mid-major and, um, you know, when I was at AUM, they were transitioning to division two and things at institutions like that, life is pretty simple because you're given what you need to compete. Mm -hmm. And um, the, I think the struggle that's happening in division one, and I, I don't think it's ever going to get better. I think it's going to get worse, but um, the struggle in Division One is just that um, that all the things you have to do off the court to compete and recruit, and um, it's kind of you fall into that pressure of kind of like keeping up with the Joneses, and um, which is it's it's part of how you have to do things, but at the same time, um, it really coaches have to work I think twice as hard to truly build relationships with recruits and to really um, drive their players to compete at their highest level because you have to use so many other things um, to recruit and compete. And so when I came to Auburn, I was kind of shocked at how um, just elaborate a recruit visit was and all the things that went into a game day. Like it is a it is a production. It is not just let's get in here, let's get warmed up and let's play. And so um, being an operations person, a lot of that responsibility fell on me and it was tough to, um, it was a very like trial by fire situation, but um, it was tough to kind of see what, um, what the expectations were, whether that was like, it needs to be this way because this is a televised game or it needs to be this way because we're bringing in a top recruit or whatever the situation was. And it was always this, it was a very fast pace um, climbing of a very steep mountain for me. (laughs) And so, um, and so I kind of, I spent a lot of time um, kind of spinning my wheels and thinking like I couldn't keep up. And I really had to just kind of embrace the part of it that was, um, you know, if we, if we truly want to be a great program, if we want the best players, if we want the best recruiting class, all those things, 
this is what not only I have to do, but this is what everyone else in the nation is also doing. So I really started seeking out like mentorship from other coaches and asking advice from people, asking people to just kind of um, uh, encourage me in ways that made me feel that this was a way to make a positive difference on my team. And I really just started seeing my role in all of it very differently about how, I mean, and anyone that's been to any game day at Auburn University, I mean, if you have ever been on the sidelines of a football game during warm-up, I mean, all you have to do is look around and see that there are thousands of people just making this warm-up happen, <laughs> you know, whether that's the people running the sound, the scoreboard, the grounds crew, the the people filling up the water cool. I mean, there's just thousands of people that have to be there just to make the warm-up happen. And so I really tried to just see that as, you know, the more we can be logistically successful, the more these coaches and these players are going to feel ready to play. And so um, I really just had to kind of start seeing the operation side as um, that's the gift that I give to this team. Yeah. And, um, and because of that, I really feel like I was able to um, be a good Southern woman and be uh, like the hospitality side. <laughs> <laughs> of of the team and not just for the players but also for our fans for our campers for our recruits you know I really think that what was unexpected um, for me was just finding that um, that side of me that was like when I was a coach I worried about coaching and winning the game and the lineup and I, I didn't I couldn't think about anything else you know and when I was operations, I was able to kind of be this spokesperson for our program that could um, that could put together alumni uh, events. And I could personally go say hi to, you know, the team that or the coach that brought their, you know, fourth grade volleyball team to our game. And I, I really enjoyed um adding to the fan experience by being part of the staff that that went out and said you know we appreciate you being here you know stay locked in with us and um and just kind of building again trying to like personify the Auburn family you know if I go yeah. to a volleyball game someone from that staff is going to come speak to me and I've had that experience at at other events you know even the events where you feel like the people and the players are not accessible you know if if you go to a basketball game and we end up winning that game there's a good chance that some of our best players are going to be standing at the door thanking you for coming you know and so right. I just I think that's that is just a way you practice what you preach outside of what your um, bullet point job description responsibilities are so I really enjoyed that and you know that with Auburn, I mean, that wrapped up a 10 year volleyball career for me. And it all is funny because it all started and ended with Rick Nold, but there in the middle, I moved like 3000 miles away from him right. <laughs> and then ended up circling back with him. And it, you know, all together, we had like a decade, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's, that's really cool. That's, 
those again lack of a better term roots were set so early on in volleyball with you and how they all came back to fruition with rick and uh, your time back at auburn volleyball and i loved the way that you described the role of the operations uh director uh because i think a lot of auburn family members hear that and they're like well do we call you a coach or you know you know <laughs> what's, what's what how does this work i don't know and we don't uh, know we don't know the answer because it's everyone uses that role differently but whatever you do with the role with that role is absolutely mission critical and you see teams that will have people that literally know nothing about the sport but they are great at organizing they are great at communicating they are great at booking travel and things like that but if you if you sat with them during an event, they would be like, I don't know if we're winning or losing. And then you've got other ops people who are kind of like I was, they came from a coaching role. So they do their every bit of their job from the stance of like, okay, how do I set us up to get a win today? And sometimes it's really hard to um, pull back from that and go, that's actually not my job (laughs) because even after, you know, the seasons that I spent in the operations role, um, I desperately wanted the wins, (laughs) like really, really badly wanted the wins and those moral victories that I was supposed to get as an ops person, they just didn't do the same thing as getting the win on the scoreboard, you know? So sometimes it's hard to, if you've been a coach, it's hard to keep that in check. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, the operations people, I mean, they're, they're the ones that really um, get behind the scenes and make it happen. And I think if I could just brag on just Alan Green's administration for a second, um, I think when he first got hired, we were some of the first people that he wanted to like deploy his senior staff to. And, you know, let's talk to the people that actually get things done and, and go beyond, you know, let's, let's figure out who's doing the coaching and who's doing the preparing and let's figure out how we can meet the needs and hear the concerns of both. And that, that meant a lot to me. And I think we as a department really improved because um, it wasn't just about what athletes thought about their experience because I know as an athlete myself, I had no idea what my coach was doing when I wasn't at practice. I had no, I I thought they just sat around and planned practice all day (laughs) thought about volleyball. And um, then when I became a coach, it was overwhelming how much I wanted to sit around and think about practicing games. And you just don't because you're doing the budget, you're planning the travel, you're planning recruiting and doing all those things. And so it just meant a lot to me for, you know, the head of our department to be like, I want to talk to the boots on the ground people about what their life is like and where we can improve. Yeah. That's the the role of director operations to me. It just sounds uh, like a good descriptor of the, the phrase that David Housel used. And I, and I preach now myself, the whole of the Auburn experience, uh, because right. yes, it, it is, it is about the actual game, the victories. And, and that is what we always remember. But the thing that makes it so special is the whole of the experience. And without you and people that are in similar roles, 
uh, in Auburn's other athletic programs and across the nation, all directors ops. Do you are the reason that this actually goes off without a hitch? I mean, <laughs> honestly, yeah. it, the, the game, we can't kick off the game. We can't, you know, start the, any type of match in volleyball without you having everything lined up. Because if that doesn't happen, we're just all going to be sitting there in the stands twiddling our thumbs doing nothing. I mean, right, just, right. so it's a very, it's a very, very important role. And I'm glad that you kind of uh, helped everybody understand uh, where that falls for you. And I will, my personal stance on it is this, I pretty much just call you a coach because you may not be <laughs> the traditional sense of the word, but in a way you're coaching these athletes in a different way by setting them up for success and being there for them. And you, you talked about the hospitality type of role there. Uh, so I, I really do consider you a coach just in a different format. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick time out from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an e2c network booster exclusive communications and bonus content that is available nowhere else if you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one please head on over to patreon.com e2c network to join the e2c network booster club you can also get there by going to our website e2c network.com support whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. You know, we, we've kind of bounced around a lot about you and Josh's story, um, and you've written a book now about your time uh, with that, and I want you to share a little bit about whatever's on your heart about that story, about that book, uh, and obviously where they can find it. So I'd like for you to set that up for us. Sure. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know or they don't know what I'm talking about, um, I've said a couple of times that my husband was injured in the military. He is actually a double amputee. He was on May 31st of 2012. He actually stepped on an IED that, um, which is just a, a buried roadside bomb. And that caused him to lose both of his legs. Um, we spent the next two years at Walter Reed hospital in, um, Bethesda, Maryland, just right outside of Washington, DC. Uh, we were actually at Walter Reed long enough for me to have my first child there. And, um, Josh and I were not pregnant before he went to Afghanistan. So, you know, there you go with that timeline. Right. But um, so we, like I said before, um, Auburn really opened the door for where we went next. And we ended up um, coming to Auburn, getting, you know, Josh uh, finished his bachelor's degree in 2016. We had settled down here um, and we just kind of um, 
I think what's important about the story that we've written is a lot of people, if, if you have an interest in the military and you've ever followed a wounded veteran um, from the beginning of their uh, health journey, a lot of people, us included, assume that when you get out of the hospital that you're well and you're healed. Like you have graduated from this hospital, you're off to be a civilian, this is everything you've worked for, thus your life is going to be good. Like, yes, you're still handicapped, but uh, at least you're not living in a hospital every day. And um, I think what is different about our story than what you might read from other traditional, like just veteran stories is um, we made, we learned more about who we actually were when we got out of Walter Reed. And we had this idea of feeling like we knew what we wanted out of life. And it's funny because I really feel like God allowed us to have all of those things. But the minute we got what we wanted, um, it was almost like everything that we believed kind of unraveled. And we never, we never really shared that with anyone because for the longest time, you know, we had, we had a uh, Facebook page and it has over 20,000 followers of people that just kept up with Josh. And we would ask people to pray about stuff or this is what's going on. And, Um, that kind of thing. And there were people keeping up with Josh that, and all they ever saw was like Josh smiling and powering through things and being inspirational and me being this like wife right by his side and that kind of thing. And um, it almost felt like we have never really told everybody the truth. And I think a big part of that truth is that, um, we kind of, in order to get to where we were, you know, Josh working with Auburn athletics and and me getting my coaching jobs, we had created this world where, and it's fun. It's kind of funny, like what the stories you tell yourself, you know, and the things that you kind of allow yourself to think, but you never really stop to question those things. We never sat down and, and, and told ourselves this, but it was almost like we both were simultaneously thinking we have got to get into the civilian world and prove that like our time at Walter Reed and Josh's injury is like no big deal. And it's not going to slow us down and it's not going to make a difference. And how crazy is that? that? You know, like this, this is one of the most difficult things that I please God that I will ever have to go through. (laughs) But um, it's also just, it it was a miracle. It truly was a miracle. All the things that Josh overcame and how our marriage was able to survive it. And we had somehow convinced ourselves the only way we were going to fit in to the civilian world was to like drop all of that. And so um, I just truly feel just like spiritually, it was kind of like, you know, God kind of saying, now, why would I walk you through something like that for you to just like dump it off and never talk about it again or never Mm -hmm. use it to help someone? And I think about other veterans that need to hear Josh's voice, or I need to think about people that struggle in their marriage and don't know how they're going to get through things. You know, that, that is what we have been equipped to do. And so we wrote this story, not just about Josh's recovery, but how we had extremely like normal, regular people problems 
outside of that. And, um, you know, we really just want to uh, just kind of tell people that, you know, this is, um, these are the ways that regular life, things that are seemingly blessings can turn into a curse if you forget that the whole point is to like create relationships and mm -hmm. love people and lead people. And I mean, it sounds cliche, but like truly make your world a better place because of the suffering you've endured. Mm -hmm. And um, we had to really kind of wander around for a good two years before we realized that we can do more, we can be better and, we're not going to do it by just acting like our goal every day is to wake up, go to work, pay bills, and then die eventually, you know? And right. so <laughs> it was a great, it was a great like calling out of ourselves of just, you know, we have more to give to the world around us and we have really done ourselves a disservice and the people um, around us by not, being better leaders. And so that is really when, um, my job started to change and, um, and my marriage started to change. And so, you know, with our, with our book, I'm just really excited to kind of share some of those things. I think they're going to be surprising things that people would have never thought we could have done or gone through. And, um, I think there'll be some things that really, level with people. And, um, that's, that's what I love about it because while Josh's story is, um, very unique and, um, not many people can say that they have stories like his, uh, this is the relatable part of that story. And this is the part that, um, the, the getting out of Walter Reed is the part that kind of resonates with people that may have once like hailed Josh or, me as like heroes, you know, and, um, and I'm, I'm excited to tell that part because I just think there's a lot of freedom in giving your testimony. And so I hope that it kind of, um, helps people to have those conversations with, um, people that they love and that can help them through their hard times. And, uh, if anything, if it helps anyone breathe a sigh of relief and go, man, that's exactly how I feel about my job or my marriage or my parenting or whatever, um, then to me, that's that's the whole point of it. And that's what makes it worth it. It's it's you bring up a lot of great points there. Uh, and, and first off, I, I'm ashamed of myself for not saying this at the very beginning. But um, and I know it, it gets said to you probably a lot. Uh, but I do want to make sure that I say this here are complete uh, appreciation and uh, just uh, just how much we we look up to you guys in terms of what you've done for our country I say that to Josh as someone who was serving I say that to you as someone who was serving in how you sacrificed uh, with your family with having Josh overseas there so from that standpoint uh, we are completely uh, you know in your debt for how much you two and your family have given to us in your service to this country. But the other thing that I, I love now is your service to not just your country, but people in, in whoever in telling your story and being brave enough to share your story, because I completely agree with you. We live in a social media society where all we post is how great our lives are for the most part right. um, or, or the other extreme as well. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's okay to be vulnerable. Sometimes it's okay to share those things that are real 
that people can, like you said, breathe a sigh of relief. I'm not the only one that felt this way. Yes, how they got to that point is very unique. How they experienced this same thing that I'm feeling is a different, they got there a different way. But as much as we feel like we're different, we're all the same in some aspect of it. And I loved how you wrapped all that up and to spiritual matters, uh, to just daily life matters there. And so that's why I'm really excited uh, for this book to come out. So could you give the, the title and where to find it uh, so people can, uh, and when it'll be available? Some people may be listening uh, far off in the future, but we just want to give them as many avenues as possible where they can find that book. Sure. Um, so the book is called Beautifully Broken, um, and it is published by Hachette Book Group, um, but you can find it at Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble. Um, there will, I think there's eventually going to be an audio book for it. So pretty much anywhere books are sold, you can find it now, um, and it should be, it's available for pre-order now, um, and the goal is for it to come out around October of this year. And for more information on you guys, you have a website as well, don't you? Uh, yes. You can go to pageandjoshwetzel.com and it's got um, everything about the book and as well as more uh, backstory things about us. I think that's a great resource uh, for the book, obviously. But uh, just to get to know you guys a little bit more, because um, you know you have a very unique story. You have a very compelling story. Uh, but the compelling story, uh, it becomes even more real when you get real with us. Uh, right. <laughs> that's what you do in this book uh, is that it's going to be uh, something that I think hopefully a lot of people will connect with, whether it's marriage, whether it's uh, just general life stuff uh, that they'll be able to see uh, that they're not alone in some of these struggles. So if like if there was a message that you could have taken away from this book for not just the Auburn family, but anybody who reads it, what would that be? Um, well, just like you're saying, just that I think the social media world, um, makes things very confusing. I just think about younger people like generation Z type people where, uh, they really have a, it, it has to be hard for people that grew up in social media to differentiate what's real and from what's not real. And, um, so I, I really think that a part of it is just, you know, this is, this is what really happened. And in a lot of ways that sets me free because I never liked the whole, um, I, I didn't like the hero worship that mm -hmm. felt very, um, it felt wrong for me to kind of play into that. And it's fine to appreciate service, you know, and you should do that no matter what kind of person someone is, if they serve their life, if they serve for their country, you should always be thankful no matter what their personality is or anything like that. But, um, you know, there were, I think it's a, it's a debunking of the, um, kind of that Southern way of thinking about people. And, um, it's just that, like, just kind of always being in your Sunday best type, mm -hmm. <laughs> type, uh, mentality, I guess. And for me, it was just a, I couldn't go on making people believe that I was just, you know, born for this role that I was put in. And I just handled it beautifully every single day. And we never argued. And it was just all about getting Josh well. And ever since then, I've just been right there by his side, just being this, you know, great example of a wife and that kind of thing. Um, so it was very much like just being able to tell the truth about my own shortcomings, but I also, 
if I had one goal in mind, and maybe this is a bad thing to say if you're an author, because I think no matter what, people are going to interpret what you write however they want. But um, if I could control the outcome, um, if it helped one veteran open up to their family about what happened to them on a deployment, it would all be worth it. And I think there's so many things that I won't even know about what happened when Josh was in Afghanistan, just things that he may never be able to tell me. But for a veteran to read this story and then be able to hand it to a spouse and say, what happened to this guy also happened to me. That just, that sets people free in a way that just can't be described because while Josh and I have, we have talked to counselors and pastors and we have had married couples that, that knew all our secrets and prayed over us and helped us through things and stuff. We know plenty of people, plenty of veterans that if you ever sat them down and said, okay, we're going to talk about this, that would just, that would do nothing but just enrage them. They would, they would get angry. They, and it would be the most unpleasant, unhealthy thing. And so what we've learned is like talking really, really, really helped us. Um, but before we could ever talk, we had to have an, an understanding of each other that, um, like, no matter what you tell me, no matter what you've been through or what you've seen or whatever, I'm still going to love you and be here for you. And when people know that, when they have even just a glimmer of understanding about you, um, I really think it allows people to love each other in ways that they've never had to before. And so I really just, I, I hope that this is some kind of um, a step toward freedom and understanding for combat veterans and their families to just kind of have this, like, I may not ever know everything and you may not ever be able to tell me but just knowing that your experience somehow parallels this person's makes me understand a whole lot. And now I can be here for you in a way that I didn't understand I needed to before. And if I may take your message that you'd like to have uh, come off of this, your goal to kind of extend it even further, what I'm hearing and what I'm taking away from this story is communication matters. And right. I have, this is something that I, especially in the times we're living in now, am very passionate about nobody wants to listen to anybody anymore basically is what what I'm getting at and I think that's what we could do is we need to not just listen but we need to be able to talk back and forth and and work things out if we have differences but maybe what you find when you talk is we don't have that many differences as we thought we're pretty much especially in the Auburn family I said this I think on the last podcast we believe we all bleed orange and blue at some point so right right (laughs) a little bit of red comes out but eventually it just kind of like the sun hits it and just kind of orange and blue just (laughs) that's a little graphic but hey you know there we go So um, thank you so much for sharing a little bit about your heart for this book. I'm excited uh, for it to come out. And I hope that whether you're going to be checking that out uh, now, if you're listening to this podcast currently, or if you're listening off in the future that you'll, and you haven't done so that you'll check the book out and uh, give a a good listen and hopefully encourage you to communicate with uh, a veteran. If you're a veteran, communicate with your family, your friends, and just in general, everybody 
just get together and be one happy family and just talk. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's do this to round out our talk. I do want to get to what has become a great segment here of not so rapid fire, rapid fire questions. Uh, but real quick, you are living in Auburn right now. Um, tell me a little bit about what that's like. Um, you can include game day experiences, all that stuff. But like, for those of us that are super jealous of you for getting to live in the loveliest village on the plains, <laughs> what's that like? I mean, that's the dream for me. Right. Well, I, I can't say enough good things about um, just Auburn as a community, especially during these like very tense times in our nation. Um, again, it is just like the Auburn family being the Auburn family showing up for various people groups, showing up and um, amplifying people, keeping people safe. It's, it's just been so amazing to not only see that now, but we've seen it before. We saw it um, when uh, we unfortunately lost Rod and Paula Bramblett. I mean, just like how the community just flocked to um, that situation and to that family. And um, it, it is just us doing what we do. And um, so I, I love I love living in Auburn during the good times when we're rolling the trees and we're, we're doing all those things and we're, you know, celebrating victory after victory and that kind of thing. But I have really just grown to just, I mean, Josh and I say it multiple times, like we would not raise our children. We would not have our family anywhere else but here. And it's because of the bad times more than the good. So, um, so I love Auburn in that way, but you know, there is just, and obviously we have to imagine life outside of COVID-19, but um, <laughs> there is just nothing like a Sunday morning drive through Tumor's Corner on College Street, and you can't even see the end of the intersection because of the toilet paper. I mean, it is just, it's something that when my kids in the fall, when they wake up on um, Sunday morning, they're like, did we play football yesterday? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, can we go see the toilet paper? <laughs> and so we drive through town just to look at the toilet paper. And um, Josh was fortunate enough to travel with basketball to the final four. And it was like, we couldn't get the toilet paper cleaned up in time before we were rolling the trees again. So um, that was just an amazing experience. And I've just never, I've never seen um, people just so, um, so ready to celebrate victory, uh, like however far it went, everybody was just ready for it to like win or lose. We were just ready to celebrate what, um, what our basketball program had done. And so that was just, that was just an amazing time. But, um, so that's one of my favorite things about Auburn. Um, and, there's just nothing like when, when we, when we have recruits on campus, um, when I was with volleyball, I would tell them you need to be in your seat. Don't be getting a drink. Don't be getting popcorn. Don't be in the bathroom in your seat 15 minutes before kickoff. Um, because you cannot miss the Eagle flight. You mm. absolutely cannot miss the band coming out. You cannot, I mean, you can't miss the hype videos. You can't miss any of it. And so, um, it's just, there's so much um, production that goes into starting off a football game that by the time the game starts, I mean, you're so, it's just electric. And our, our fan, we have the best students in the nation. We have the best fans in the nation. So um, 
there's nothing that can replace or adequately show that experience. You just have to get there and see it for yourself. Um, and then, um, I would have to say that, uh, graduation is a pretty like awesome thing to see. Obviously Josh graduated and I got to see that firsthand, but there's just something that almost like makes me want to cry (laughs) when you go by Sanford lawn and you see these people just lined up for miles to take pictures in front of Sanford hall or, um, just throwing their caps and gowns and, you know, all those things. It's just all their hard work has kind of culminated into this moment. And, um, they know that like they're leaving some of the best times of their lives. And, um, so it is, you kind of just feel that sense of accomplishment, but also kind of a little bit of sorrow that they don't want to leave Auburn. And, um, I think that's what makes it really special to, to just be reminded that this is a college town and it actually is based on people's education and to see them achieve that is a really cool experience. Even when you're just kind of watching strangers take their picture in front of Sanford hall. Are you sure you don't work for the chamber of commerce of Auburn? Cause my goodness, what a picture you just painted. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Maybe I could get some commission off of this. <laughs> you have. Wow. I've, uh, I, I can hear the realtor's phones ringing off the hook now for people listening to this. It's just like, <laughs> I got to go now. I can't. After that description, it's time yeah. to go. We've been putting it off long enough. Maybe I'll have to call somebody. Anyway, <laughs> um, so let's wrap up our time together with this. I have what I call not so rapid fire rapid fire questions. The reason is because normally people hear the questions and they want to explain themselves. But hey, if you can get through them quick, so be it. Uh, but I got 12 questions, just some fun Auburn related things that I'd love uh, to hear your perspectives on uh, okay. to finish up our time. So question number one, orange or blue? I have to say blue because it goes with everything, but there's just something about seeing Aubie that makes me like love orange. And then I'm like, I'm going to give orange another shot. And then I kind of over orange sometimes. So I have to stick with Navy blue. It's hard not to bounce back and forth. It's they're both so great. Uh, (laughs) I hear a lot of people with Navy blue is is the one they love. (laughs) Number two, Aubie or War Eagle. Um, I love saying War Eagle, but Albie is one, like, I'm one of those weird people that I'm an, like, even when I was an employee of Auburn, I had to go and, like, get a selfie with Albie every time he was somewhere that I was, and um, I, (laughs) I've stood in line with the little kids at baseball games before, (laughs) so I think, (laughs) I think (laughs) Albie. So now I can mark you safe from the minions of Albie because we've had some people that have chosen War Eagle as much as we love our War Eagles. Uh, you know, Albie will will find you one day if you don't choose him. So there, you are oh, yeah, safe. Yeah. yeah. Question three, the Auburn fight song or glory to all Auburn? Ooh, I like the fight song. Okay. Number four, your favorite Auburn athletics program? Well, um, I love volleyball, but obviously – I think my second choice would just be basketball and um, honestly more than their games. I just love the, the look that we get from their coaching staff and all of their players from behind the scenes. Um, The emotional investment in that program is something that I just cannot ever rid myself of now. And uh, obviously my, 
husband got a final four ring out of that um, experience. <laughs> so I would have to say men's basketball. Yeah. When you got a big old ring on, your, on this finger, you got to kind of think, well, maybe my allegiances are with basketball right now, but either way, uh, yeah, you know, we, we love them all, uh, but there are times where we lean a certain way, and it is very easy to lean basketball's way right now. Right. Question five, your favorite Auburn athlete? Of all time? Of all time. Hmm. Oh, man. Um, hmm. Well, I'll say the obvious just because he was such a – I don't think the world ever saw – everything that Bo Jackson could have done for baseball or football. So mm-hmm. I have to say that. Okay. Um, but I also have just incre- like just incredibly like so much respect for um, Ruthie Bolton. Mm-hmm. Um, she is someone I just, I would follow her anywhere. <laughs> I think <laughs> she is just, uh, she's overcome so many things. And um, I think she is still just a, great advocate for women and um, she has a great voice for many things beyond athletics. So I really just have a lot of respect for her. That's a great mention. It's not one that we've had yet. So I'm glad that we're getting some new names out of that. I I love (laughs) our, I love the fact that we can look to Ruthie uh, Bolton and not just not her banner in the arena, but uh, you know, just what she represents. So that's a great pick. Your favorite Auburn coach. Um, I really, uh, I have a great relationship with um, Tim Hudson. Um, Tim, actually, uh, he is, he and his wife are the nicest people. Um, But when we came to Auburn for the first time for a football game, um, Tim and Kim were some of the most welcoming people that I've ever met. And they offered us one of our issues coming to the game was that we didn't have a parking pass and obviously with Josh being handicapped um we were going to need to be able to park close to the stadium Mm -hmm. and Tim and Kim they were like oh we can get one of those for you and by the time they had gotten us a parking pass we were tailgating with them and we were just hanging out with them we went in the game with them and they just you know extended that Auburn family to us and now um uh, Tim is on the coaching staff and I know that I mean if I would want to play for Tim Hudson so yeah. I'm yes. really rooting for him for sure but um, he and Bruce Pearl and uh, Butch Thompson I think have been just really uh, great people in our athletics department. My little Braves love and heart exploded when Tim Hudson came <laughs> to back to his alma mater. Yes. Uh, it was beautiful so beautiful for me. Uh, question seven, your favorite Auburn non-athletics person or celebrity? So this can be anybody, someone, some, an Auburn person that's not sports related that can, that made an impact on you. Uh, Kate Larkin, hands down the end. She is one of the most compassionate people on planet earth, but um, you know, she was that initial reach from the Auburn family that came in found us and welcomed us to Auburn. So um, she works for the Alumni Association. Her son, uh, both of her children graduated from Auburn. Her son, Bo, is one of the video coordinators for football, but um, she is my favorite Auburn person. And she is, I'm not the only person that has that kind of testimony about Kate. So uh, she's just, she's one of the greatest and one of my favorites. Question eight, your favorite Auburn building. Um, hmm. Well, I love Auburn Arena. Um, 
but I also really love the, um, the new part of the library, mm-hmm. that new renovation on the library. Uh, I hung out there a lot when I had a lot of work to do <laughs> and, um, it's still one of my favorite places on campus. Yeah. It's, it's a very, it's very unique after being a student that wasn't, that part of it wasn't there for me, but I have also found myself being gravity, gravity pulls me into that area to do some work or to relax for a minute out of the, either the scorching Alabama heat or, uh, you know, uh, just to, to get a breather from a game day experience or something like that. It's a great ad- addition to that building. Yeah. Question nine, your favorite Auburn place to eat. Hmm. Man. Um, Acre is always a good one. Um, I'm always going to gravitate toward anything on college street just mm-hmm. because it's, it's just that like Auburn experience, even when nothing's going on, you're just right there on the campus. Uh, and I'm also a huge fan of, um, Zazu, which is actually in Opelika, but it's a, it's a great counts. place too. Yeah, that counts as well. Doesn't have to be near the <laughs> campus. We've had several people go, you know, some places far out that I hadn't, had no clue would be counted as an Auburn place, but if it's Auburn to you, then it counts. <laughs> Question 10, your favorite Auburn tradition. This can be sports or non-sports. Um, well, there's nothing like rolling the trees yourself. Um, that That's an amazing tradition. Um, I love, I think the most impactful is seeing people all over the nation saying War Eagle to each other. Uh, when we moved to Washington State, we actually found the like Seattle uh, watch party, um, mm-hmm. the Auburn club that w- would get together um, and it was quite hilarious because we would get together in a bar to watch um, to watch games, but it would be like 9 a.m. So wow. people like sitting around eating pancakes and also drinking beer at <laughs> 9 a.m. <laughs> in these bars to watch Auburn games. But when we moved out there, we just thought like, man, we're on our own for football season. Nobody's going to get it. Everybody hears about the Seahawks and all that stuff. and I mean, within the first couple of months, we saw people walking around with Auburn hats on Saturdays and just across the street, you know, I feel like the further away you get from Auburn, the more obnoxious you are with the War Eagle because you're the only two people that get it, you know? Right. And so, I mean, we'd be way across the street from someone and they'd be like, War Eagle, you know? And so (laughs) it just felt like some, you know, somebody gets me, you know? So I think that's almost like the, um, it's like the aloha of the SEC, you know, and so I really love hearing that, saying it, and I, I say it as much as I can. <laughs> you know, I'm laughing because you just described me perfectly, not living in Auburn, <laughs> uh, so now I'm a little embarrassed because, you know, I, now I know people recognize that I'm being crazy when I scream <laughs> at the top of my lungs. I'll be, I'll be at my job, uh, and, and I'll see somebody while I'm working with an Auburn hat on and I, I can't help myself. And then my coworkers roll their eyes and like, will you just shut up? I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's a great tradition. Uh, number 11, your favorite Auburn memory. Oh, uh, let's see. Favorite Auburn memory. Um, I actually got to travel to Puerto Rico with the volleyball team. Um, and it's funny because I planned the travel for that trip, but I had never been outside the continental U.S. <laughs> so that was like um, the biggest rookie test ever. 
Um, but I, um, we were at Walter Reed when, um, we won the national championship in football uh-huh. and that, that was a fun time because we were the only Auburn fans like living in our building at the time. And so when Auburn won that game, Josh literally was like going up and down the hallways in the hospital, like screaming, like banging on doors (laughs) and stuff. And I'll just, I don't know. I'll, I'll just never forget like people being like, wait, what happened? What's, what's he talking about? What's what happened? And we were like the national championship. And they were like, who was in that? And, you know, but we just were, again, just so obnoxious about it. And that, that was one of my favorite memories. Oh man. I love that. I love unashamed passion for your team <laughs> in the most unusual circumstances. That is yeah. one of the best ones that I've heard right there. Your final question, describe Auburn in one word. Hmm. Um, I would have to say, I would have to say people, I almost said family, but, um, I think that's what makes us different is that you get an Auburn experience from a person. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about like game day production and the things that you get to see and hear and experience when you come to Auburn, but like Auburn, the Auburn family is individual people that believe they represent the same thing. And because of that, when you think of Auburn, you associate it with a person, not just a football game or Auburn Arena or Albie. You you actually have close, like, soul ties to someone that made your experience exceptional. And um, so I would have to say that more than the bells and whistles of a great campus, it's the people. Uh, Paige, I have chills right now. I'm not going to lie to you uh, because you and I are like on the exact same wavelength about that. I think family is obviously the big go-to answer there and there's nothing wrong with that answer. But, you know, if you have not heard this on our recording, but the beginning of this episode always has a little, little, I don't know what you call it, a stinger at the beginning of it uh, where I say Auburn is not a place. Auburn is a people. And my goodness, this is... Wow, I've just like I've been floored that I didn't think anybody else out there kind of saw it that way. I, I think I think everybody sees it that way, but they they never verbalize it that way. So you have completely uh, given me chills right now. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it, how many people do I talk to that when they say when they talk about Auburn, they'll always start out with, "Oh yeah, I was there when." you know, basketball beat Kentucky or volleyball beat Florida or whatever. But then there's always this part of the story where we sat next to the nicest people or I ended up, um, you know, linking up with someone that I actually graduated with, but I had never met before. There's always this, this person that connects people back to Auburn. And I think that's where we concentrate our efforts, you know, because we can't always we can't guarantee a great game day experience for everybody. We can't guarantee wins. We can't do any of those things, but we can guarantee that the Auburn family is a display of love from the people that live and, and work and believe in Auburn. And so, um, so I think it, it's, you're absolutely right. It's, it's people, it's what people believe in and it's how they treat other, other people. 
Well, my job is done here. I can just wrap this series up now. I don't need to do anything <laughs> ever else again. In fact, I'll just let you take this on because <laughs> I just, yeah, this, this, this has been great. Uh, that, that is, I've enjoyed every answer I get on that question. Uh, but this has been one of my more special ones. So thank you for that. That has been awesome. And it has been great talking to you, Paige, and getting to know you again, getting to hear a little bit about you and Josh's story and the book that'll be coming out. So please do make sure that uh, you check that out. You can find it most anywhere or on their website. Uh, Paige, thank you so much for giving your time to me today. Thank you for reaching out to me. I've really enjoyed this. Uh, I hope that you have enjoyed it even a small bit that on the level that I have, because I have thoroughly enjoyed this one. So War Eagle. <laughs> War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?